about two to three years ago, Jackson asked to be baptized. And my immediate response to him was, you've already been baptized. But in my heart of hearts, I wanted that also. And when John stood up and did his testimonial a couple of years ago, I really started evaluating my life and realized that I still believed in God and I had the faith of God, but I didn't put God first in my life anymore. And once I put him first in my life, I became complete. And my family became complete. And my life just started changing. And so I was happy to wash the sins away today. Thank you. Well, she said it was going to be short and sweet, but it was definitely sweet. So that was, uh, thank you so much. I'm sorry that I uh, got a little too excited. I wanted to get to uh, the baptism, I guess, a little too quickly. Um, Before we get into the message, let's go ahead and pray. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, proclamation of knowing who you are and their, their desire to follow you completely, Lord. I ask that you would continue to give us the strength and the wisdom to do that ourselves. And also, Lord, I just ask that you would use my mouth to deliver the message you have laid out today. We know that you do that. In Christ's name, amen. So as we've been going through, um, as we've been going through Acts, um, last week I spoke on three different types of people that happen when you go out and you evangelize. And if you were here, you, hopefully you remember, there's the herald, the person who proclaims or announces the harvest is the person who transforms themselves into a believer, and then you have your haters. As we get into Acts 18, again, that will be evident quite uh, easily that, um, that there are plenty of people who do not want Christ to be spoken. Um, so we're going into Corinth. Paul's going to Corinth, which now at this time has become a larger city and more important commercially and politically than Athens for Greece. It's the largest city that is there, but what it's known mostly for is is its wickedness and its idolatry. In fact, on a hill, they, they have the temple of Aphrodite, and she's the goddess of love and war. We can only imagine what kind of ceremonies went on in that temple. And later, Paul has such an affliction for the uh, Corinthians that he ends up writing 1st and 2nd Corinthians, both uh, letters to the church that are there. And it's written, they're written so that people will gain strength so that they don't lose hope in such an idolatrous place. Now looking at Acts 18, I'll read verses 1 through 6. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a a native of Pontus, who had uh, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, uh, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, they stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, tes- uh, preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. 
But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. For now, from now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He's done this once before. But going through this, you can see he was a tent maker. So Paul, as we know, was not just a pastor or an evangelist who was supported by uh, others. He, he supported himself through his ministry. He also um, went to the church or the, on the Sabbath, on the, on the Saturday. He went to the synagogue. And remember, the Jews and the Greeks were both meeting in the synagogues at that time. It wasn't just the Jewish synagogue. And then uh, Silas and Timothy now have rejoined him from um, Berea. So they were, he, they were in Berea. And he's gone two places, and I'm not sure how they knew where to find him. Because we don't have the same technology back then that we do now. You just don't text and say, I was going to Mario's, but I ended up at Garlic Mike's. That doesn't work, you know, uh, with this in that time period. So I'm not sure how they got there, but I'm sure God had a hand in it to get them there. But the most important part is, your blood will be on your own heads. That's a referral back to Ezekiel 33. That is, that is a reference. And so obviously the Jews would know that. Probably the Greeks would not, or the Gentiles would not. But the, but the Jews would. And what Ezekiel 33, 1-6 says is, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, When I bring the sword against the land, being Israel, and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. Since he- they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and, sa- and the sword comes and takes someone's life, the person's life will be taken because of the sin. But I, I will hold the watchman accountable for the blood. The point of that to me was that we are all supposed to go out and be the watchman for our fellow humans. That we need to make sure that we're going out and telling people about the truth. We've talked about evangelism all the way through this, and we've talked about in, uh, throughout time that even in you know, your workplace is your, it's your grounds. It's where God has you right now for a purpose, and that purpose is to proclaim the word, to proclaim the love that Jesus gave us. And that is what we are called to do. And so we have a responsibility as the watchman to go out. And if we choose not to, we have to be okay with that too, that we could be the ones that are held accountable for not teaching, for not telling people what we've done. Going back to Acts 18, then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord and made the Corinthians who heard him believed, and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. 
When Gallio was proud council of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man they charged is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law, just as Paul was about to speak. Gallio said to the Jews, if you, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be responsible for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. Then they all turned on Sostenus, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. But Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. This section here is another charge for us. It's a charge that we have no excuse. We have no excuse to not go out and proclaim. My goal today, I hope, is to encourage you, to give you the ammunition to realize that you will be given the words to speak, that you will be given the way that you should talk to people, that you are designed to be a witness for Christ. You may not feel worthy, you may not feel ready, but God gives us this power in the time of need, and we have to rest on that. So 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 9. For the Spirit God gave us, gave us, or, okay, typo. For the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our, our love, or our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So he goes to the synagogue and he talks and he knows that this is going to be an upward battle, but he knows that God has put him here in this town at this time for a purpose, so he continues to charge forward. Paul's gone through all the suffering. We've talked about that before. He continues to go forward no matter what the persecution is. He doesn't say that I will keep you safe. It doesn't say that I will do that all the time. But here specifically it does in Acts 18. And Crispus, the synagogue leader, he becomes a believer. And so that's why there's a, sec- there's a different synagogue leader by the end of this, what I just read. Because he is now not the synagogue leader. Because now he is a Christian. So again, we're not supposed to be afraid and keep on speaking. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you, because I have many people in the city. This is a city that probably hasn't heard about Jesus very much, if at all. But he's already claimed these people. He already knows who will be transformed and will be there to support Paul and to support Christ. He knows that. He knows that about all of us. He knows that about everybody in creation, now, in the past, in the future. He knows if you will turn your heart to Christ or not. He knows that. That's part of his creation. And so if you don't feel worthy or you don't feel ready or capable, then you relate to Moses. And it's back in Exodus 4, 11 through 12, that the the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? 
Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And that's what I have to rest on every day. And you know, sometimes people say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not, that's not what I'm called to. That's not my spiritual gift. But then we all have to go back to the Great Commission. And I know my wife always says it's a co-mission, together with Christ, co. Matthew 8, 28, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Always. Forever. He's here with you. You are a part of Him. He is a part of you. We are all supposed to be disciples. And I hope this doesn't scare you, but reassures you that He will be there to help you. That He will be the one that will give you the words. That will fill your mouth as long as you are willing to step off the cliff and to go out. But Jesus also says, In Matthew 10, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what what to say or how to say it. At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Again, another testimony of how we can witness, and He will give you the things to say. He will actually open the doors to the people who are ready. He will prepare their hearts. He will prepare their spirit to receive. God never wants to put you into a position where you're going to fail. If you're going to be a testimony, or you're going to create a testimony for Him, He's not going to put you out there and make you fail so you don't ever do it again. He's going to help you through this process. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to prepare. It doesn't mean I can just get up here, flip the Bible open and start preaching. It could happen, but that's not what I'm supposed to do. It's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be in the Word. You're supposed to prepare yourself so you can answer questions when people do have questions, when you do have challenges that come before you. So in Colossians, Paul also writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward other outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your uh, conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So it's not saying you just go out and do it without being prepared, but it's telling you you don't have to worry. You're not going to mess it up so bad that they're never going to become a Christian because it's not you that prepares the way. It's not you that actually does it. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. You can talk all you want until the Spirit is ready. It's not going to happen. So it's the Holy Spirit. So you are just a, uh, a worker. You are a messenger. And also, a lot of times I've been talking about going into the workplace and witnessing. 
going out into the world and witnessing. But a lot of times we don't equip you. We don't give you tools. We don't give you suggestions on how to do that. But one thing is, in 2 Timothy, it said, do not be ashamed of the testimony. We heard a testimony today. We heard Jamie's testimony. That's the kind of message that nobody can, can question. It's just like your feelings. Nobody can tell you you're feeling wrong. But you can tell them your testimony. It's the strongest thing you own. And it's yours. And it's different from everybody else's. And it's where your heart will be. And it will be the way that they will see the love that you have. And they will see how you love Christ. So there's three parts to a testimony. Your life before Jesus. How the transformation happened. Or how you received Christ. And then your life since. Those are the three parts. Before. The occurrence. And after. So take that home and work on that for yourselves. Rick Barton always says it has to be three minutes or less because that's the, that's the length of the Silver Queen lift. It has to be quick. And then, and then if they are hooked at that point, you can stop at the top and talk more. But you have to get it all into three minutes or less. You may have a short window. You know, when somebody says, wow, how can you be joyous in such a time as this? You go, because the Lord is my Savior. And I can, and boom, you go into it quick. That might be all the time you have. It might be 45 seconds you get. But prepare it. Be ready to give your testimony at any time. If somebody asks you, be prepared. Don't go home and work on it. This is probably the shortest sermon I'm ever going to give, so be happy. <laughs> and then the last part, uh, in First John, John... Uh, encourages us to stay the course for our ultimate reward. 1 John 2, 20-25 But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. We're all anointed. We know the truth. Proclaimed right there. So we can go do this. He has chosen you. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. This also relates back to the Jews. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He promised us, eternal life. Your eternal life. But with Him. Do you know that we're all eternal? We're either eternal there or eternal there. And that is also in Scripture. So guess what? It's your choice. It's your choice. So now, go out and help your family, your friends. Let them know they have a choice to make. Amen. Today we'll be closing with him, um, Trust and Obey, kind of fits. Uh, 467, and we'll do verses 1, 2, and 4, and they'll be on the screen.
you circle up around the outside of the building. Outside of the building, inside the sanctuary, sorry. <laughs> we're testing the rain out there, make sure we're going to... Nobody's singing, use a trumpet, the walls will come down, so... <laughs> It's amazing how rain fills the church, I'm just saying, but hopefully it'll break this afternoon and we'll get a little chance to get outside and enjoy, so it's great to see all of you here. Are there any joys and concerns today that people would like to share? Yes. Okay. Physical healing, spiritual strength for David. David Vader. He's going through chemotherapy. Yes, Barbara. Any other joys or concerns? Okay, Joe. Ow. So Joe's son? Son-in-law. Um, gallbladder issues and uh, needs prayer so he can make it to the end of the year because he's out of vacation time. I wouldn't call that a vacation. I would call that sick time myself, but... Out of that time, too. So, all right. Uh, announcement uh, downstairs we are doing a coat drive. The BPW, uh, Business Professional Women, um, is doing a coat drive downstairs. There's lots of coats available um, and also some winter boots if you are in need, but also if you are cleaning out your closets as you make the transition. If you have other things, I'm sure there are people that could also use what you don't need. So, um, you could bring those by, too. Um, and if you know of anybody, please send them here. We have tons, and we're not getting a lot of foot traffic here, but um, we'd love to get all the coats gone and the boots gone, just because um, instead of having them go uh, to waste. So, um, anything else? Uh, oh, yes, Kathy. Yes, yes.
Oh, sorry. Pam, yes. Awesome. Um, Pam's son, Cameron, was part of the uh, group that was to, uh, I don't know if you saw it on the news, there was an unmanned spaceship that was going back to the ISS, International Space Center, or Station, to uh, give it more supplies. It sounds like there's enough supplies for a while, though, but that rocket did explode in flight, so um, just off the Earth. Um, but luckily, no one was hurt, um, and what she had said was, that uh, we had, uh, she put out a prayer request and that her son wrote back that prayer works. And so that's awesome for him to say that. Ellie. Okay, so Ellie's son-in-law's mom is going through uh, chemotherapy, and then it was Sarah, right? Sarah Shank? Sarah Shank, and if you don't know who Sarah um, was, Lori is her mom, which is uh, Denise Mayfield's sister, and so that would be the connection. Uh, Lori did come for a while here, um, and uh, she passed away in a car accident this last week. Yes, John. All right, John, we'll talk after the service. <laughs> All right, well, well um, please, if you are around somebody who had a prayer request today, please surround them and pray with them. Um, it would be very appreciated, I know, by the people here that they could be with, in fellowship with someone else for these prayer requests. Um, that would be awesome. Any others? Yes, Gerald. Welcome. So, yes, so um, next week we'll be on to Acts eight, uh, 19 and the finish of 18, actually. Um, I talked to Greg this morning. He's overseeing his son. He'll be here next week, and then Jake will be the next two weeks, and then we'll be into Advent already. Um, put on your calendars that December 3rd is church decorating. We'd love to have this many people show up. We'd all get one candle that way, and it would be done. So it would be great. So December 3rd at 5 o'clock, right after work, anytime you come, we'll... we'll uh, It'll be great. So, all right. Uh, let's sing uh, Alleluia to the Lord. Sing Alleluia.